You're listening to Childeric. That's right, you're listening to me. Today, I'm talking about former President Obama. Former President Obama. Now, when Obama was president, or at least when he was running for president, now, there's a number of things that, look, all this information about him, about his past, about his, the, the birth certificate and all that stuff, you know, these are, these are things that can be, um, these are controversies or conspiracy theories that can be um, put to rest by the simple fact, well, just by looking at what is sealed with this guy. Okay, first of all, you've got his Occidental College records, they're sealed. Columbia College records, they're sealed. Columbia thesis paper, sealed. There's no, there's no thesis, so we have no idea. Harvard College records are sealed. And the, so uh, his selective service uh, registration is sealed. Now, that's an important one right there because for him to have registered with selective service, he had to have been here at the age of 18. It's an important one. His medical records are sealed, that's fine. That's, that's fairly normal. Um, I don't, that one doesn't create any that doesn't create any red flags for me. Uh, now this, the next two though, is Illinois State Senate uh, schedule and the Illinois State Senate records are both sealed. And if this guy was an attorney, he graduated from Columbia, if he was a lawyer, his client, he has no client list. His law practice client list is sealed. <laughs> now there's a couple of reasons why that may have happened uh, before. Um, before he ran for office. And, and if the guy was as crooked as he ended up, as, as what it appears, that he would need to have all of the, this stuff sealed. He would have gone through and systematically sealed all of these things when, before he began to run for uh, the state senate. So it's probably a progression. It's probably a progression. But yeah, no client list. Like nobody, and no one has come forward and said, yeah, he represented me in uh, this matter or that matter. Nobody's come forward. So there's no, so not only is this is the part that stinks, not only is the record sealed, so nobody can see who these people were, there aren't any people saying, verifying it, saying, yeah, yeah, he was, he was my attorney in this matter or whatever. Like no one, like not one, no one has come forward and said, he represented me, no one. And you would think, you would think that if he had represented anyone, that those people would be, you know, I mean, he's a, the guy, you know, became president of the United States, you know, but no one ever said yeah, this guy, this guy. <laughs> so certified copy of the original birth certificate is sealed, uh, signed embossed paper certi certification of live birth sealed. Uh, his baptism record is sealed. Michelle can no longer practice law as an attorney. Why? Michelle has 22 assistants. Well, she doesn't have them now, but she did at the time. <laughs> Michelle had, this is uh, 2012. Michelle had 22 assistants. Another first lady's only had one. Uh, foreign student aid as a college student. Under what name and under what country's passport did he travel when he visited Pakistan in 1981? So, <laughs> apparently he at some point uh, in the 90s lost his law license, if, if he even ever had one. Uh, well, and Michelle also lost hers for lying on a renewal or something. And it's kind of funny because it's much like the Clintons lost their law licenses. It's like a pattern with these people. Uh, I think Obama was, uh, his was failing to acknowledge he was known by another identity. And Michelle Obama for insurance fraud and client intimidation. 
I can see that. She's been intimidating. In a Patrick Ewing sort of way. And then they were placed under uh, court-ordered disbarment in 1993. But then they were allowed to represent themselves, or in this case, misrepresent themselves as distinguished attorneys during the 2008 presidential campaign. So, so let's look. Let's, I mean, so nobody knows him from Columbia. And there are people who attended Columbia in that same department. And typically in... So, like Wayne Allen Root, he wrote that they had both graduated uh, according to Obama's date of graduation from Columbia University, class of 83. Wayne Allen Root says, we were both, according to Obama, pre-law and political science majors. And I thought I knew most everyone at Columbia. I certainly thought I knew all of my fellow political science majors. But not Obama. Or as he was known then, Barry Sotoro. <laughs> he says, I've never met him. I never saw him. Uh, never even heard of him. And none of the classmates that I knew at Columbia has ever met him, saw him, or heard of him. Just interesting coincidences that all add up. You know, one of them, one thing would have been enough. But you go back and you look at the acceptance rate at uh, schools like uh, Occidental, which is 44.9%, and the acceptance rate at Columbia, which is 6%, the whole story seems to kind of fall apart that he was there. But, you know, and so there's people that, that have gone to Columbia and, and they're like, no, you, you know everybody in your department. Like you, these are the people you see all the time. You see them every day. You know everybody. So the odds that that's, um, that his... And so reports that he had a C average going into Columbia is impossible because Columbia wouldn't accept him. They got, like, like I said, you got to be at the top, <laughs> top of the cream. You got to be. So with all, you know, that brings up so many questions, so many questions. So James Woods brings this up, and uh, yeah, where's where's the evidence? Where's the evidence of that? Now they know for a fact that he traveled to Pakistan in 1981, and and so the the big question is, is that what was the uh, what country's passport did he use? Which one? You know, under what name? So these are, there's, there's too many things that nobody's, you get this from time to time. I mean, you get this with uh, some presidential candidates. You know, they seal stuff because it's, uh, it, being so visible and in the public eye, it makes you vulnerable to a certain scrutiny. A certain level of scrutiny is, is acceptable. And where he complains that well, people are making stuff up on this side, no look, like he's, he is the only one who can put this all to rest, if he even knows, if he even knows. So it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It, it looks like he was some type of Manchurian candidate. That's what it makes it look like. Now there's a lot of people who've gone after this birth certificate and who his father is and so on and so forth. I'm not gonna get into that. Because that's easy to clear up. It's easy to clear up. And in fact, what they should do is instead of, um, instead of worrying about why he won't give up any information, they should go to his half-brother and check his chromosome. That's what they should do. And I think that um, that would clear up a, a large majority. Yeah, the same brother that actually says, no, he has a Kenyan birth certificate here, and he has, a, he has it. He has a physical copy of Obama's birth certificate. So anyways, the whole thing is hilarity. It's hilarity because of the, the you know, it's like this funny little clown trying to plate spin, you know, and he goes, oh, make sure nobody finds out, make sure nobody, well, why don't you just, why didn't you just play on the up and up, you know? 
So like his entire, his entire fraudulent presidency, all the stuff that he did, all the corruption, all the, the vile, just needless ideologies that this guy was about. And it turns out that his whole story was that he was, he was a first generation immigrant. Really? That his mother was, so his mother uh, was supposedly, his presumed mother was an American. And the father that he, that he told us was Kenyan. One of the connections to the whole thing uh, is that they were uh, working as part of uh, working for the UN, some, some NGOs, uh, non-government organizations with the UN. And this, this, so that goes, that goes pretty deep in, in it. And if those connections are part of a larger group of people within the UN that are uh, attempting to usurp the laws and authorities <laughs> and government of the United States, well, that tends to be a very large problem. Born, in the, born out of the 60s, civil rights marches, the, the anti-war, the, you know, the, 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 so everyone who was, who was living back in those, in, in that time, this is like the, the, they hear this call and it's something familiar. We've done this before. Yes, we'll do it again. Well, before you were making sure you were, you were marching for civil rights because people weren't being treated fairly and they were actually being, you know, we actually had a problem. Okay. Uh, the black community needed to be able to vote. They need to be, you know, able to, able to elect their representatives, you know, to, to, you know, be integrated, more integrated in society. We needed that. So I'm not, uh, so I'm not saying that, that nothing good came out of it. We needed that. But they have these ultra liberal lefties that never left. There used to be a thing where people would remind each other that the 60s were over. But these people seem to have wanted to bring it back. Like it was some great era. So these guys, they march and they have, the, they got to have their cult of personality and they prop them up and, and he's not perfect. He's not perfect. So they hide the imperfections. So, so just like I said, the, the, you know, where's the tax records? Where's your list of people that you represented when, 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 when he was, a, who did he represent? Nobody's ever claimed that, they, that he repre, that Obama represented them in any matter. Nobody's ever claimed that. So it's like, it, it looks like you got just somebody that they took from nowhere, comes out of nowhere speaks, you know, clearly enough. They said, yeah, this guy. They made up all these stories about him, put him in the, in the place that he's supposed to, that they wanted him, and then got him in there elected. That's what it looked like they did. That's what, that's what that's, this is what it looks like. So James Wood's going after it. He's, and I don't think, he, to be honest with you, I think he just, late night, just some late night tweet. Just throws, he just throws it out there and goes to sleep. He's, he's probably warm and cozy in his bed, and he just, he just throws that out there. The responses to it are hilarious, but the subject matter, uh, the, the facts behind it are not hilarious. There's so much that is unknown. And to get somebody at, working at that level in the government of the United States, the most powerful country in the world, and to get to that level of the most powerful man in the world, really. Uh, and we have absolutely no proof that he is constitutionally legitimate. <laughs> Did you catch that? Like, you can't prove that he was born here. And you're like, and I know people think this, they, well, there's got to be like a special secret uh, committee and thing and people know about it. No, like literally no one's ever seen any documentation on this guy. No one's ever seen any documentation on the guy. But it's, it's hilarious to watch him do the dance. Oh, you guys are just against me. You're all against me. Yes, we can't, we're, we're against your corruption. That is true. Oh, I'm going to do what? What are you going to do? 
Well, I'll spy on you. I'll just change my name. What a dummy. Oh, I've got you. I may got it so that you have to change your name. Yeah. Who cares? You should, that's something you should be used to, Obama. <laughs> this guy, what an idiot. What an idiot. Oh, uh, we need to get our guy in there. We need somebody we can trust. Somebody without a past. A blank slate. A blank past. We need a blank man. The blank man. I've got just a guy. Yes. We've called him off the streets of Chicago. We've given him a shower. We've cleaned him up and put him in a suit. He looks great. Yes, he's going to be the one. He's going to do, he's going to do our bidding for us. All we got to do is teach him a few things. And, and we're going to make this happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, Barry. You're going to be an attorney. Now, I want you to pretend that you're an attorney. I want you to pretend that you're representing your client and you know everything there is to know about the law. An expert in the Constitution. Here, read these flashcards. Here's some flashcards to help you. The real cards against humanity. How insane. What a level of insanity that is. What a level of insanity that is. I mean, there's not the big stunner. Everybody was, is focused on the, I mean, you should be able to check the selective service records and there's somebody that could just go and open the filing cabinet and look. I mean, you know, they, they could look to see his registration in there. <laughs> see if he even has it. Oh, oh, we can't let that happen. That must be sealed. Okay. Okay. On to the Gateway Pundit segment. Story here, another gateway pundit, Tom Fitton. Comey says hundreds of thousands of Hillary emails were found on Wiener laptop. Judicial Watch has only 72,000. What? <laughs> they didn't turn over all the emails. How corrupt are these people? Every time I see a picture of James Comey, he's got this dumb look on his face like, I'm really worried. My neck is on the line, <laughs> literally. His own friend reads his book and uh, says that higher loyalty... Uh, which is the title of the book, Damages Comey's Reputation and Credibility. <laughs> yeah. Also, along the same lines, the damage to his reputation and credibility happened when he <laughs> broke the law and mishandled classified information and botched the Hillary email investigation because he was actually involved in it. So many scandals. So many scandals. But on the plus side... President Trump's uh, approval rating is at 51%. Not that it matters that it's four points higher than Obama at the same time in his presidency back in 2010. Rod Rosenstein. GOP lawmaker says Rod Rosenstein possibly under investigation for supervising Uranium One deal. Well, there's the other shoe dropping right there. Look, you've got people who are witnesses who are subjects of investigations into these nefarious activities. And these are the guys that are actually, uh, these are the guys that are in a position to cover up all the... That's, uh, that's a big problem. That's going to be a big problem. I've talked about uh, Alan Dershowitz before. He, he's got a very sound legal mind. I, I believe that a lot of his, um, his inclinations are sound legally. He says ACLU is dead in the water. A partisan hard-left political organization that no longer cares about civil liberties. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of been that way for a while. Here's an interesting story. Mexican presidential election frontrunner agrees with Trump. Corrupt Mexican governments are at fault. Well, there you go. Finally, we're getting some movement. 
Well, we got like dirty Soros backed St. Louis circuit attorney withheld major evidence in Governor Greeton's case, must resign immediately. <laughs> Corrupt people. They got no business being anywhere near, anywhere near the government. But it's, I mean, and it's hilarious in the, in the extent that these, so the extent that these people will go, the lengths that these people will go to, to, uh, or they know they're caught. You know what I mean? They know they're caught. They know, oh my God, we're all going to hang. Well, yeah, not one of them got, not one of them was scared when they were all in on it. And now they're all like, oh, this could go bad for us in a bad way, in the worst way, in a way that is not pleasant at all. Yeah. See, this is the thing I don't understand about the psyche of these people. But there is no power. There's no, this, so the guy, Obama becomes president. Okay, it's like, that's, that's, the, that's as far up as you go. And you get to be there for two terms, maybe, and then you're gone. There isn't anything after that. And I know that there's a lot of people who are like, well, he could be the Secretary General of the UN. Okay. The UN is, is only a body of, uh, it's only a diplomatic body. And it has absolutely no power vested in it, no judicial power to overrule the laws of sovereign nations. It has no power to, it of it, in and of itself is an agreement between the, the people who have signed, the nations who have signed on to this. It's just an agreement to work within a set framework. And the, and the idea behind the framework is to of, try, is, is the attempt to diplomatically try to avoid conflict so that there aren't any large-scale conflicts like there were in the past, like World War I and World War II. Okay? So it doesn't have, it's not a law governing body. It's not governing all of the nations who are signed onto it. It affects how those nations work together and when those nations are in violation. Okay? But it is not a legislative body. It cannot, even by agreement, force upon its consigulatory, its consigulatory, uh, the different governments that are signed on to this thing, it doesn't, it doesn't have any force to, to cause that, to cause any of their regulations to fall upon this, except for in areas where there is the building of a coalition uh, of, of diplomats and consensus between like-minded governments. So, when you had the airstrikes on Syria, there's a clear violation of agreed. Now, international law is based on the agreements, okay? And the, the, everyone who has signed on to that has agreed that chemi- the use of chemical weapons is banned, okay? No chemical weapons. You can use regular weapons all you want, but no chemical weapons, okay? So when Syria goes and breaks that law, they, have, they, are, they are bound to enforce that law. The, the nations that constitute that grouping of agreements is forced to exercise that as law and exercise the judgment upon that and to render it, you know, to take that out. They're forced to do it. It's the same as just going before a judge and he and you have a traffic ticket and he's, he's forced to find fault and, and penalize. It's not him doing it personally. He's not like, I have a personal vendetta about this speeding ticket. No. It's the law. And the reason why we have those laws is to shepherd society and keep society um, from just descending into chaos, all right? And so you have to protect that. You have to protect those walls. You have to protect that construct of the framework in which people are allowed to legally operate. You have to protect that. 
and when somebody uses chemical weapons in, in flagrant violation of the law not to use chemical weapons, it has to be met with an equal force and, and an equal deterrence, an equal reprisal uh, for the law that was broken, and it's required. So it's not the United States like, well, we hate you. We're racist. It's not the UK like, oh, we, we hate them too. It's not France, oh, we, we. That's not what, and that's not what it is. It's not like they, oh, we don't like that guy. Let's take him out. And remember too that France, Syria is like a, a French colony, okay? It's a French colony. There's reasons why that's a French colony. We'll get into some that some other time. But, and there's, so there's reasons why France would be involved as opposed to like the NATO or the European Union or other nations. There's a reason why France is involved. And it has to do with the reversion of title. If the government of Syria no longer exists in its current state, its current form, the title then reverts back to the um, most recent legitimate owner of the region, of the, of the land. And in this case, that's France. But it's France for other reasons besides them just dividing it up and conquering. That's not what happened. It's there's other reasons. And it has to do with uh, the French being, also being descendants of people who are known to have been from that region you know, over a thousand years ago or within the last thousand years. So there's history involved in it and, there's, and that's what these uh, laws are predicates of that history. Uh, a lot of, and it's not something that you learn in school. They will not teach you this in school. They don't like to teach you this in school. They like to teach you this new framework where everything's up in the air. You know, well, if, if you can get there, you can take it and you can have it. That isn't, that isn't true. So, and there are, there are nations in the world who understand that. So, but anyways, the point is, is that you have to, you have to uphold the law. And that's what that strike was about. They took out their, uh, the way, the, the methods that they used to come up with these weapons, these chemical weapons, they took that out. The research facilities, the production facilities, they, that's what they hit. With all of the negative propaganda, the reverse propaganda that you, you know, the fake news and all that stuff coming out of Russia and, and Iran and Syria, okay, not one of them has claimed that there were civilians hit, which is normal. They like to have that. They like to have that. Oh, oh, oh. It helps them make the strike unpalatable to the general population of those countries. But in this case, they're not saying that. And so to peek into their mindset for a second, they're not saying it because they know for a fact that it can be proven not true to say that there were civilian casualties, okay? So that being said, if that intelligence can be made available, I mean, if the, if the intelligence can be made available that there were no civilian casualties and it's that thorough, then you go back to the intelligence which led to the attack, to the airstrike, and you realize that that intelligence has to, be, has to have equal credibility. And so their reaction is telling. Their reaction that they, it's typical for them, oh, no, they're, they're bombing civilians, you know, because it's easy. It's easy to get people all whipped up in their, in their euphoric, uh, emotional rage against war, all forms of war. But that isn't what we see in this case. What we see in this case is they are accepting the fact, they're, they're, it's a de facto exception, acceptance of the fact that there were chemical weapons being developed there. You know, because they, they, you know, they haven't come out and said, and they haven't run, they're not running their normal course. They're running a different course. And the, the course that they're running, um, you could make the argument that they're, that they're not um, go, moving towards further conflict. They're, they're moving away from it while at the same time it appears that they're moving towards it. So it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. But that's what happens when you break the law. That's what happens when you do things that are nefarious. That when your intentions are nefarious, it leads you to that place. And, and you step too far away from 
the core of the rule of law. And, and there's an oblivion out there that you know, you don't recover from. So there's a number. So they, <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled, I guess, because you know, there's a number of different things that are happening that are, you know, it's quite interesting and quite telling.